Nay, you, you gain something in the waters of baptism that you cannot gain any other way in the Lord. I'll just say that again. You gain something in the waters of baptism that can't be gained any other way. So if you have not been baptized, I'd really encourage you to get on that list or talk with me or somebody else if you want more information. But um, we got a good group, and uh, just don't want anybody to miss out on whatever you gain in baptism, um, all of that. And then also the financial forum, it is the last one for the year. Mel Schultz is the uh, guy who runs it, and he's going to be sharing a lot of from his own personal life and story about how God has um, worked in his life and in finance and all of that. It's probably a great one to catch, and uh, I was told it's going to be Mel like you've never seen him before. So um, should be good. And there's free lunch, so come on, people. <laughs> free lunch. It's a good deal. Um, you can register all, the, all those things online. So now what we're going to do is we're going to have a little reading. Um, so we're going, we're going kind of old school church here. We're going to connect our Advent season with uh, the saints around the world. And um, I'm going to ask you guys to stand um, for the reading of the Word of God. And this is a reading from the prophet Isaiah as he was foretelling what the Messiah and, and the joy that he would bring. And then we're going to be lighting candles, so don't get too weirded out. No seance or anything going on. It's just... Um, we're going to light the candle as kind of a way of remembering what, what God brings into our lives. And then, and then after that, I'm going to lead us in kind of a responsive um, reading. And it'll be up on the screen, but I'll read something, and then you guys will read in response. We'll go back and forth, back and forth. And then we will be so churchy that we'll be like, yeah, check us out. No, but it's good. And all this stuff is just teaching, and it's kind of trying to usher in what uh, the message is trying to do. And uh, the first lighting of the candle is joy. We're going to do joy, peace, hope, and love, and uh, I think everyone in this room and all the friends and family that we have could use some more of that. So that's what we're trying to do, is usher in the same thing that Jesus ushered in. So go ahead, Veronica. Okay, our reading from, is from Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shall shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts with jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about it. The lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those that the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. We light the candle of Advent. 
to remember that God's voice lights up the darkness. Thank you. All right, so now this is where you come in. So I'm going to say we light Joy's candle. That's the candle of joy. We light Joy's candle, and then you guys will shout out real strong, real joyful, the underlined part. All right? You ready for this? Here we go. We light Joy's candle. Yeah, that was awesome. We light Joy's candle. We light Joy's candle. We light Joy's candle. We light Joy's candle. And we light Joy's candle. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Thanks for doing that. Um, all of these are basically just promises from the scriptures. Um, Bible verses just kind of rephrased a little bit. But, uh, but the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. Jesus came to bring us joy. Jesus, his goal for us is that our joy would be complete. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Do you picture God smiling? Do you picture him laughing? What does his laugh sound like? That's what we're trying to tap into today. In his presence, in the presence of God, the creator of it all, there is fullness of joy. I was thinking about the, the fullness of joy moments so of the people that I knew that were the most joyful. And I was thinking about my grandma. I have a grandmother who was named Florence Patricia. She was born in Belfast. And she spoke with a little bit of an accent. She married an Air Force colonel, that was my grandpa, and uh, they lived out their days in Tucson, and that's when I knew them. Um, they were grandparents, and, uh, and she was joyful. She was carefree. Everything was funny and laughable, and uh, I think a lot of her carefreeness definitely came from her relationship with Jesus. She really did believe that God would take care of her. And then she also had an Air Force colonel husband who took care of everything, <laughs> no doubt about it. And so I think she was free in that way too. Um, but towards the end of her life, she started to experience Alzheimer's and, and, and dementia a little bit. But it was so interesting because her mind was, was basically kind of frozen in that state of carefreeness. So she still, even in that state, and I know that's not the experience for a lot of people, but she just had no worries. She just thought everything was funny. And, and now it got to the point where she would just kind of tell the same joke every five minutes and think it was hilarious. It was like the, the best way you can get kind of frozen in that condition. She just thought it was funny. And then she'd see you. She'd be like, oh, I can't believe you're here. It's so good to see you. You'd go around the corner, come back around. Oh, you're here. This is so. And it was just like the joy. She just would continually have this joy. And it was confusing for the rest of us because we're like, I don't know if I'm coming or going or what. But it was just this joyful, joyful thing that she had in life, and it carried through even into this later stage. And I remember at one point I was visiting, and, and 
Um, they had set up to where she would go walk at Target, the super Target, once a day to get some exercise. And literally, she'd just hold on to the cart, and you'd just you know, walk around the, the, the square. And uh, it was so funny being with her. And every corner she would turn, she would see something that would make her laugh. But then literally, you'd go around it again, and it would, she would see it and make her laugh again. It was just so much joy walking around Target. Um, it was one of those memories that just kind of burned into my brain. Um, before she passed away, just how much joy there was in her life. I also think of my nephew. I have a nephew that um, Christmas morning, it's like all of us have so much joy just because of the joy he has opening presents on Christmas morning. Now, there's 10 of us, 10, or there's 10, at least 10 kids that are there. And, I mean, we love the other kids, and we get presents for them, and they're cool and all. But this one nephew, he just goes berserk every time. He's opening the present. He can't believe it. he's so excited. And it just fills the whole place with all this joy. And then I think of my wife. Anything, anytime Christmas comes around, or I mean, really, a Christmas song could come on in like March or something, and she would just be starting to laugh. She'd be like, let's put up the tree and get the hot cocoa. I'm like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Um, but she's just so joyful about Christmas as well. And, and, um, and, and that's what I, I mean, when you read the scriptures and you hear descriptions of God, you, you hear about the presence of, of God, you hear that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above everyone else, the most joyful person that ever walked the face of the earth. It's kind of mind-blowing. I don't normally picture God in that way. But when we see into heaven, we see all these stories of singing and dancing and rejoicing and music and, and, and laughter and, and all of these things happening. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. There's all, it's, just, it's, just, it's just joy in the presence of God. I mean, the best way I could kind of describe it, it'd be like if there was a moment where we lived without gravity. Gravity was just gone and we just floated. I mean, our, our world is full of sorrow and weighed down by sorrow. And being in the presence of God is being in the, in the absence of sorrow. His joy is so full. And I, I remember being at a concert one time. My wife got me tickets to a Coldplay concert, whatever. Don't judge me if you like them or not. But uh, I think they're cool. And uh, we were at this concert and the sound and, and the, the lights, I mean, they, everyone had like a bracelet with, with the lights. So you were like part of the light show. I'd never seen that before. I was like, what? Check me out. Bam. You, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I liked the songs and just the feel, everything. I mean, it was just like two hours straight of just total enjoyment. And, and, it, and, it's, and that's like the picture that we get of heaven. It's like this concert where everybody knows the words to every song. And everybody's singing, not because it's like you, you have to sing or you go to hell or something. At that point, we're good. You know, like everybody's clear. And there's just, just like singing and rejoicing and dancing and oneness and light and no sorrow. And C.S. Lewis picks up on this where he talks about all the little joys that we experience in our life. He's a, a, a Christian writer and thinker and he says all of those moments of joy were really what caused him to ultimately come to Christ because he would be walking through life and all of a sudden joy would hit him from something he would see or something someone would say. There was this joy and then it was gone in a second. It was there and it was gone and he was trying so hard. How do I find that? How do I keep that? How do I manufacture that? And he had no idea how to do it. 
But then what he figured is that this must be an indicator that there is fullness of joy. If these little moments of joy, these must be appetizers, these stir such a longing in my soul for joy that there must be something real. There must be a joy that doesn't dissipate or flee, but a joy that can remain. And that's ultimately when he came to Christ and found that there was joy. He actually wrote a book called Surprised by Joy. And how joy, the joy of the Lord was so powerful it could even sustain him through true heartache and pain. But that's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus brings. He brings joy. Advent. The word Advent just means the appearing of Christ. And the appearing of Christ brought great tidings of good joy, of good tidings of great joy to all people. Joy, joy, joy is what Jesus brings. Joy, joy, joy is what you experience in the presence of God. It's joy. But then we have this, this, this challenge that we all understand with, that we all kind of can relate to more so than joy. Mark Buckley and I, who's the founding pastor, we always joke that as pastors and kind of the things we've been through in our life, we're like, we're a lot better at grief. You, you put us in a situation where people are grieving and it's like, ah, yeah. I know exactly what to do in this situation. You put us in a room of people that are just joy, re rejoicing and joyful, and we're like, yeah, I don't know what to do, or whatever. And yet, and yet God is full of joy. At the same time, joy is not the absence of sorrow. Because we're told about Jesus, though he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his fellows, above everybody else, he was filled with more joy we are also told about Jesus that he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. And the truth is, I, I think most of us can probably land there a little quicker, a little easier. That we truly can say that we are a man or a woman of sorrow and we are acquainted with grief. We're good friends with grief or pain or heartache might be a little easier for you to go there. And yet Jesus is there as well. Jesus experienced sorrow and grief and heartache. God himself experiences that, we're told. And yet at the same time, the joy wins out. And so we've got to figure out how to Understand how Jesus, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, was walking through this world with so much joy. So much joy that when people would gather around Jesus, they wanted to be with him. There was something that attracted them to Jesus, and it was his, his joy, his life. There's, a, there's a, um, a remake of the Gospel of Matthew on video. I saw it a long time ago, and... A um, little, little hard for me to totally agree with and go with, but, but I, I loved what they tried to do. They basically <clears throat> portray Jesus as a super giddy guy. <laughs> so you're used to seeing Jesus like, ooh, you know, he's naked almost, and he's all like beat up, and, ooh, and that's kind of what our pictures of Jesus are. I mean, he did go through all that, and it's true, he's a man of sorrow. Um, and I always think, he's always doing like this, you know. I don't know if you play that game where like if you look at this, then I get to punch you or whatever. But um, I always am like, oh, Jesus, you got me. But, uh, but anyways, he's very solemn and somber. But, 
But in this, in this portrayal, they tried to redo it where he's full of joy. And so, like, he's going around telling his parables. He's like, yeah, why don't you get the plank out of your own eye? And he, like, picks up a board and throws it. And he's like, um, before you try working on the speck in your brother's eye. And he's laughing. And I was just like, yeah, I kind of can see it. But no. But, but I, I loved what they were trying to do, just Jesus walking in this world, uh, somehow experiencing the sorrow, attempted in every point, knowing that crucifixion was coming, and yet filled with joy. And even on the cross, we're told in the book of Hebrews, that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So even in that moment of more pain and anguish than we could ever fully understand, joy was there. Joy was the banner over him. Joy was the motivation. Joy was not overcome by even the crucifixion in the heart of our Lord. And then Paul, Paul who was a guy who was following Jesus, he writes in 2 Corinthians 6, if you want to turn a Bible there, 2 Corinthians verse 4, he tries to explain this a little, a little more thorough for us who are wanting to be servants of God. I think we've got it on the screen too, but... Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, which is a challenge, understanding, patience, and kindness. All of those are difficult. Genuine Yet we were regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making others rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is a description of the servant of God. Sorrowful yet always being able to rejoice because we access the joy of our Lord, because we're reminded of the promises of joy that he gives us. That though we become acquainted with grief, we can also be anointed each and every morning, each and every day with the oil of gladness. And this verse is sobering for those of you that are following Jesus. You have become a servant of God. But it also is confirming that, hey, maybe I'm doing it right. Even though this hurts, even though this is hard, even though this is struggle, you can take comfort in this knowing that even Paul and Jesus himself struggled as well as you're pursuing joy. But then for those of you that aren't following Jesus, that wouldn't call yourself a servant of God, this is maybe a count the cost moment. Because we're going to give you an opportunity to decide to follow Christ today. At the end of the service, but you got to know it's not all roses. Somehow walking with Jesus, you really begin to experience and understand sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. But your other option is to walk in this life and experience sorrow without the joy. So come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Might as well get Jesus. Um, one other way that I've seen this expressed that it's a little hard for me to grasp, but I've seen it happen so many times is 
those moments of deep sorrow. And I'm thinking in one particular, uh, a number of years ago, we had a young man in our church that was so joyful, so wonderful. Um, and yet he experienced a tragic accident. And, uh, and we all went to the hospital as he was um, being worked on. And, and most likely he, you know, never was really fighting at all. But we weren't sure. And the day went by. And then on the second day, we found out that it was really over. And, and we were all sorrowful, no doubt about it. We'd been praying. We'd been hoping against hope. And his family was there, and his mom was there. And the room was filled with huge amounts of grief. And when the word, the final word came, there was so much heaviness in the room. And I don't know where it came from or how it got started, but all I remember is as one person, I think it was his brother, just kind of told a joke that he would tell. And all of a sudden, in the room, there was rejoicing. And then someone else told a joke. And then someone else said what he would do in that moment. Or then someone else said, and it, and it just kind of spread in this room. The sorrow was not gone, but there was something much more powerful that began to move through the room. And all of us were kind of hesitant as we kind of enjoyed in the joke or, or just kind of rejoiced or, or let our minds begin to remember the joyful parts of his life. And then we would pull back quickly and shrink back quickly because we didn't know if it was appropriate or not. Joy is a powerful, powerful thing. And there really is, my friends, so much reason for joy. And for me, this came to a head very, very drastically when I was 20 years old. I had really started following Christ when I was 17, going into 18. I had kind of had a relationship with God before that, but it was all on my terms, if you know what I mean. <laughs> God, you give me what I want, and cool, I'll, I'll do some things for you. But when I had turned 17 and was going into 18, I felt like God said, hey, it's time for something different. You want to do life your way or you want to see what I have in store for you? And I said, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and I started to, to follow God's way. I started to do the things I thought he would want to do. I started reading the Bible. I started hanging out with people that were servants of God actually moved to a church. I lived at a church for a year in a school of ministry type thing. And I'll tell you what, my heart was filled with joy. I thought Christians were a little weird to be around with. I thought maybe if I hang out with them, I'll be filled with the weirdness of the Lord. <laughs> but instead, it, like, there was a lot of joy. There was a lot of joy. And there wasn't regret with the joy. And then when I was 20 years old, my dad, who was one of my greatest joys in my entire life, he took his life. And he was someone that loved Jesus and loved us really well, but he struggled with bipolar um, disorder and never really got it figured out. Tried to kind of self-medicate and, and it ended up, he took his life. And all of my joy that I had received 
in my life and in those two years, it was the first time it was really tested. And all of a sudden, it was between me and God. Hey, hey, I got sorrow. I have more sorrow than I've ever had. I have sorrow that feels crippling right now. I have so much sorrow that I don't even know if I'll ever be able to be joyful again. It was the first time I would really describe myself as a man of sorrows who became acquainted with grief. And I remember having a conversation in the back seat of a car as we were going to pick up my brother at the airport. And I said, God, I need something. Uh, basically, I need to know that you're stronger than this, so you've got an answer for this. Because I'm lost, and it's dark, and I'm cold. And I remember very clearly in that moment, I felt like God spoke to my soul, <laughs> which is normal for me now, but at that point, it still was pretty new. And there was a psalm that I had been reading, and it was, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And I was like, that's it? What is that going to do? Nothing. No, I, didn't, I mean, that's what I felt, but I was like, seriously? But I held on to that. And I used that when I was tempted to go and grab something, maybe temporary, drugs, alcohol, something else just to kind of distract me from the pain. And I used that verse to say, okay, Lord, I, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to lean into you. And over time, I can tell you that the joy of the Lord won out. The joy of the Lord won out. And then my mom passed away of cancer. And then those of you who know me, my daughter was born with spina bifida, a disability. And the sorrows have kept coming, but the joy has never left. And all I'm here to tell you from my story and from the scriptures is that if you are someone who is full of sorrow and acquainted with grief, there is a joy available to you that can and will overcome and sustain you and actually become strength for you to endure. And not to endure as like a, but to endure with joy. The sorrow doesn't leave. I'm telling you, we, my, my family, we can't watch Lion King. You can laugh at my pain. It's okay. That, I, I mean, Lion King was like, oh, this is awesome. And then Mufasa and the Stampede, and it's like, no. I, like, I used to be strong. I could watch Lion King, no problem. I can't watch Lion King now. I have to skip it or just stay away from it. And a lot of other movies are like that. The sorrow is still there, but the sorrow doesn't win. It might come on strong for a moment, but if I just keep waiting and I lean into Jesus, there is a joy that bubbles up and overcomes. Let me give you a few conclusions real quick. The joy of the Lord is not just like a, a layer put over to cover up our sorrow, like we would put lipstick on a pig. It's a permeating joy that overcomes and displaces sorrow. Joy is not an attitude people adopt because, not be, joy is an attitude that people adopt, they take on. Not because of their circumstances, but because their hope in God's promises are so sure. 
So how do we walk as servants of God, sorrowful yet always rejoicing? Are we supposed to just pretend to bite our lips whenever sorrow comes? No. We're supposed to tap into the deep, deep reservoir of God's joy that can fill up every hole that sorrow has left. Just like the darkness of night gives way to the brightness of morning, this earth has no sorrow that the joy of God cannot heal. So where do we find it? Just like we said in the beginning, you find it in his presence. You go to the presence of Christ and you, will get, and you get the joy. He can anoint you with the oil of gladness. Just like in the end, being with Jesus wipes every tear away. So too now, when we choose to be with Jesus, his joy comes. His joy overcomes. And his joy is always there. His joy over you is always there. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. In this world, it's just so easy to sorrow. But I pray that, Lord, you would help us to be great at joy. I pray that your joy would come right now like the morning dawn. That the oil of your gladness would just be poured out over each one here. And while we're in this mode of prayer with the heads bowed and eyes closed and just picturing what Jesus might be saying. I just want to talk to the people in the room that don't know the joy of Jesus, that aren't in a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to take that step. To bring all of your baggage, all of your sorrow, all of your pain, whether it's been by others' sin or your own sin, or just the weight of this world on your shoulders, you can bring that to Jesus and he will exchange it for his joy. You can be filled with the joy of the Lord. You can be anointed with the oil of gladness. And all it takes is just confessing him as Lord and believing that he has risen from the dead. And if you're ready to do that, I'm just going to say a prayer, a simple prayer, and you can repeat after me. I'm not going to make you come up front to the microphone or anything like that. It's just between you and Jesus. You can just repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I'm full of sorrow and full of sin. And I want to be filled with your joy and filled with your forgiveness. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that you are Lord of heaven and earth. And I ask that you would become Lord of my life. Amen. Amen.
Well, let's, let's all stand. We're going to, in just a moment, be released to take communion. And the way we're doing communion is, again, a little more participation. You guys could stand up. And, uh, and, and, and as soon as we're ready, you guys can come on up. So just take a moment of prayer and, and getting your hearts ready. And then when you're ready, you can come on up to the, to the front, grab a cup, grab a, a juice, and you can stay up here by the stairs or you can, you can go back to your seat. And this is just a time. We're just setting up a, a one-on-one time, you and Jesus, to just go access his joy and to cast your cares on him, to, to give him your sorrow, to give him your pain, to give him your sin, and allow him to exchange that for what he wants to give you this morning. And then we'll be directed into a song at the end. But go ahead and just take this moment of, of quiet and contemplation, and then when you're ready, come forward and receive communion.